Good afternoon, Brad. Frank, how are you today? Wonderful. It's a sunshiny day. <laughs> so, let's, um, so today we want to continue a little bit from where we left off last time. Uh, in the last episode, we were talking about um, anxieties and we talked a lot about what can we do about anxieties when it happens in the moment. So we shared a few tools on um, how to deal with, better deal with that at least in the moment um, so that we can get, get out of that worry and anxiety zone and start to act a little bit more uh, rationally. Um, so the question and all remains, and maybe that's a little bit where we go today, is how can I, if I have a recurring anxiety and not something that just happened once and probably never happens again, or extremely rarely, is how can I actually slowly over time work on making that anxiety have less weight in my life? Um, or even ideally also, what could be a path for working to make this anxiety go away indefinitely? So I'm actually somehow terminate that anxiety. Um, let's see how far we can get with this. Well, what are your thoughts? It's a tough one, right, Frank? Because what we're really talking about here is how do you break a cycle of negative thoughts? Uh, those negative thoughts, you know, they leak in, they come, they leave their message. And even though we try to keep moving forward, that negative cycle just continues. We beat ourselves up. We don't want to forgive ourselves for something. We let those negative thoughts just ruin our day. So when you say, what can we do kind of for the longer term, we have to really retrain ourselves. We almost need to rewire our brains to be able to, in the moment, as well as on an ongoing basis, be a little bit nicer to ourselves. In today's world of hashtagging and be kind, I wonder whether we should start with uh, being kind to ourselves as a starting point. Yes, that's an excellent point. Um, I agree. I think it um, is one of the hardest things that someone with an anxiety carries with themselves is often, I would say, I would even argue to say most of the time, is that they're you know, beating themselves up, that they're not kind to themselves, that they're accusing that in a, in a series of accusing themselves for like once again, uh, not having raised the hand when they should have, um, once again, having screwed up a situation because there was something that they were trying to put their heads in the sand, um, you know, things like this. And I believe that then getting to the point that you realize Yes, okay, I may have screwed up, but I will stop hating myself for it. I'll forgive myself for it. For, I'll try to do it better next time. And it's that final bit you say there that I, I feel is the challenge, right? Because whatever I choose to focus on will grow. That's my philosophy. So if I choose to focus on a real positive thought, then I'll nurture that thought if i choose to focus on a real negative and believe that negative thought then that will grow and that beating myself up then if i'm going to follow that through 
what do I end up doing? It, it never leaves me, actually. So when I'm on my own in quiet moments, when I'm with a group, and it starts to kind of spread into all the areas of my life. So you, you mentioned like raising your hand in, in a meeting, like maybe I didn't raise my hand. And then it becomes, I didn't say it in my relationship, or I should have said this. And then you hear people say, oh, I'm not good enough. And these kinds of phrases, it's like, if you focus, you know, if you recognize that what you focus on grows, then maybe we can start to rebalance those negative thoughts with a positive thought. So if I can't stop beating myself up, okay, beat yourself up, but you must balance it with a positive thought so you give that the chance to grow inside you. What I focus on will grow. And it's a philosophy that's really helped me since my mother taught it to me when I was like eight years old or something. <laughs> Hello, mother. Yes, she'll love that I met <laughs> Good. Yes, this is a, this is a, I completely understand you. Maybe you wanted to compliment it with saying that um, the, um, how do you say, I think it is important to also come away from, you know, a, a point of indecision somehow, you know? So I believe that when you, we talked about worries last time and how they actually compound and how they add up, you, you begin to play, tell yourself a story in your mind and that becomes a mechanism over time. When you're used to telling yourself, uh, you know, negative stories and negative phrases about yourself, starting to believe that you're not worthy or not good enough and these kind of things. And, but, and we also talked about that there's this phase bef before the moment that would something happen where things actually start to become bad. And you can break that cycle by overcoming, you know, the sort of indecisions about oh, what should I be doing? What should I say? Maybe I should say it this way. Maybe I do that first. Or, oh, there's this other person that I didn't take into account yet how they might react. So I need to rethink. So I begin to, you know, not do anything. And then the moment comes and it's over. And you, again, somehow, you know, didn't do what you actually wished you would be doing. So starting to slowly become this kind of indecision and just be okay with having made the non-perfect move, I think will also help you to slowly, if you, if you begin to embed that in your life, to be okay with making a non-perfect move or saying the non-perfect thing, I think you slowly also begin to train yourself to not go too deep into this compounding worry. Well, and I think, you know, we can move that to the point where we all have our own map of the world, don't we? And you know, some of us are perfectionists. So we will look at something and if it's not perfect, we'll beat ourselves up. And some of us worry slightly more, we catastrophize about things. So when we haven't said the right thing, we tell ourselves that story and it compounds in our mind. By the time we get home, we're going mad with worry. And I think when we think about the, the worries and anxieties that we talked about last time and we bring it forward to today of how do you kind of stop this from a long-term perspective, being someone who spends so much time worrying, maybe what we're really talking about is the ideas that sit within the kind of emotional intelligence piece, which is we need to be a little bit more self-aware 
and we need to learn how to self-regulate. So we need to be aware of when we're slipping into those stories and the worry phase. But we need to recognize that's okay. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to say the wrong thing. It's okay to say sorry. But I don't need to carry that with me and ruin the rest of my day. So how do I self-regulate? And I've noticed in therapy a lot, Frank, that most of us are really good with the self-awareness piece. Most people I meet are very self-aware. But can we self-regulate? Can we manage our emotions in the moment and on an ongoing basis to create a balanced life? And maybe that's the secret source we're talking about here, is that self-regulation, that self-management, that we can harness something special that doesn't allow us to believe the stories, believe the negativity, believe the bad press that we tell ourselves. Why, why is it we always believe the bad press and not the good press, by the way? Do you have some thoughts on that? <laughs> Let me answer this in, in a second. Just wanted to add one point, um, keep this in your mind, is I am actually fascinated in a sad way about how many people, once you talk, know them well enough, are literally telling you, I'm not good enough for something, or I, I may not even be worthy for a certain experience or outcome. That saddens me a lot. And I think it's based on, and now I get to answering your question, I think it's based on, you know, these, these lots of experiences over time where you didn't have that, that where you may have had the awareness, but you have not had the skills or tools, but definitely not the success in beginning to tell yourself a different story. So, and then, and that's why I think you're very trained on telling yourself the bad story. So that's what makes it so much easier for you to believe. If you, had, if you were very trained on the opposite side to telling yourself the positive stories, that would be easier for you to believe. But you just have more training in the, in the other departments, in the dark departments. That's what I think is at least a, a big factor. What do you think about that? I think there's, there's truth in what you say. Um, my experience tells me that we are conditioned to look at ourselves from a more negative perspective and it's conditioned from our parents and our teachers uh, when you think about a, 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 a an essay you write when you're at school most of the time we looked for the mark to validate ourselves what did we get a b or c five out of ten or eight out of ten and we look for the red marks on the page to see what they've written. And most of the time it's crossing things out that we spot. Yeah. And if you think about people in, in an office today, if we said, hey, listen, have you got five minutes, Frank? I've got some feedback for you. Most people are like, oh no, what have I done? Um, 
if I send you like an email on Friday, hey Frank, come in a bit early on Monday. Can we have a call eight o'clock? I've got some feedback from a customer. Most people would like spend the whole weekend worrying about what's the feedback from the customer. What have they done? What could it be about? You know, they'll get all stressed. And I think we, we live in, in a world today where we are instinctively concerned that everything starts from the negative. And I wonder whether part and parcel of just how we live today, the speed at which we work, if it would be better if we could rewire somehow so that we start from a positive aspect. Hey, I've got some feedback for you. Great! <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know what? I, I, I think that this is also due to the fact that you have done the self-accusation a lot more in the past, so it's like supernatural. It doesn't seem like you have to put any energy into telling yourself a bad story, but it seems to be hard, if you're not used to that, to tell yourself, oh, this is going to be a success. You know, to genuinely believe that this is going to be the outcome. Like that, that successful salesperson that is deeply convinced that everyone is just waiting to buy from them yeah. versus the one that says, uh, you know, I actually don't know enough and uh, what am I going to say? And, and, and so there's too much worry on this part and probably not going to buy. Um, I better look for, you know, other customers right now that maybe help make, make my quota. If you already have that in your mind, that the, the failure so much, you know, you, in, in that moment, you would have to put a lot of energy into say, telling yourself, no, no, Actually, I'm going to have the opposite outcome. But someone, someone who has been wired and maybe self-trained to you know, all the time just simply believe, they're not really telling themselves this, they just simply believe, I'm this amazing salesman, just to keep that example, people are just going to buy from me. They, have to, they carry none of the worry. They probably might have to work just as hard in the end you know, to get whatever deal done, but they don't uh, waste any time worrying and sabotaging themselves. And, and the point that you're making is really critical because worry leaks energy. It's exactly the word to use. Anxiety and worry is leaking energy from our body and requires so much more energy than it does to be positive. But unless we're trained, this goes back to this idea of can we rewire our brains? And we can, by the way. Can we rewire our brains to look at something from a more positive aspect? Can I say to myself, do you know what? I'm not going to get worked up about this. Now, you might have to tell yourself that 20 times but I'm not going to let this affect my day. That's a good one. You know, the thought comes in. I can't control the thought coming into my head, but I can control how long it stays there for. And this is how we can learn to rewire the brain. The thought comes in. We call it thought stopping. So I can't control it coming in, but I can control how long it's there for. And what do I replace it with, with a positive reframe? Yes, that's a good one. Um, adding to that, it's related to something that you said in the beginning, or, or much earlier at least, was um, complemented with a positive thought, and I would even say end on the positive thought. If you can in any way end on the positive thought. 
how nice would that be if people not just started from the positive but ended <laughs> yeah right <laughs> perhaps perhaps right after the moment where you had that where you're really really focusing on a positive thought you need to immediately begin to do something else that you're occupied and don't have to do you know have to go back it's certainly hard many of the things that we talk about Brad, are easier said than done of course so you know you don't want to you know appear if that's it's it's a piece of cake or a walk in the park it's not but there are ways of you know slowly over time if you give itself time with actual exercise you can make improvements in in that department can't you Brad? what would you suggest maybe look i think that the first thing we have to recognize is how long it takes to change and rewire the brain a little bit right yes if you and i were going on a training program today for productivity and effectiveness techniques within a couple of days of using them they would become a new habit right the neuro pathways in the brain they're created and it's easy to execute we're talking about emotional rewiring here and this takes time this can take four to six months of practice and feedback and re-editing constantly so i think first of all we have to acknowledge that this isn't something that happens overnight even though the choice we make today can impact how we feel tomorrow of course so i can go to bed tonight and go from tomorrow when those negative thoughts come into my head i'm going to tell myself no i'm not going to let that affect me i, I can make that choice today but when a negative thought comes into my head tomorrow even if i say I'm not going to let that thought affect me it still might and it might take a few months of really working at it before i get good or better at dispelling these negative stories yes. so to, yeah to rewire the brain for me comes in a couple of stages the first stage is recognize the thought when it comes into the head That's stop it and then reframe but you've got to be able to recognize them coming in that's right you know what i think would, would actually help with that also in a you know considering now that we're talking about a process that takes a longer time very individual but it's not something you do overnight i think what helps tremendously is if you surround yourself with people that are positive and that reinforce the optimistic thoughts that you begin to develop about yourselves and in that same amount, you also need to cut out people that do the opposite, that, that actually reinforce, you know, the, the, the anxieties, if you will, or the worries, the concerns, the non-believing in a good outcome and so on. And you, you need to stop spending time with them. Otherwise, it's really an uphill battle. And that's easier said than done, because that could be your brother, could be your sister, could be your best friend. True. Still, maybe, maybe that's something that you have to cut off or minimize for a while. I, I, I think what you're saying is really an accurate appraisal of how this kind of work we do on ourselves is totally holistic. It's not about doing one thing. It's about recognizing the energy. It's about recognizing the processes I can think about. It's how I need to look at my friends and family members of how they influence how I feel. And then it's about the stories I tell ourselves and 
already we're up to four or five different elements that are all playing a part in why I walk around anxious or worried on any given day. And that's why it's not a switch that overnight suddenly, oh, hey, Frank, I'm feeling great today. <laughs> I've been working on it for the last six months, but today I feel great. Okay, that's wonderful, Brad. But now if I would be, you know, one of your old contacts that I was telling you to actually get rid of, I would just probably reply to you, why are you feeling great? You have this and that problem. And, you know, the, you don't really think you have a chance is what you're really, what you're planning there, but you keep coming on me like this, like you have a great day. Are you out of your mind? What happens to your confidence? Right, it, it's instantly. Yeah. It's coming down. But, but if I would be the opposite, if I would be really saying, oh, Brad, how wonderful. You seem to be full of energy. It's great. I think you can do it. You see, because I think when we have something, when we have stories that we tell ourselves that are negative and we established earlier that it's something that's for us easy to do, it's also the easier one to believe. So if I begin to tell myself another story, a good one about the good outcome, actually I don't believe myself in the beginning, do I? No, no. So but this is why it's so helpful then to have yourself being surrounded with people that reinforce this, this positiveness in you and what you're trying to do. Because maybe you listen to them rather than to your own voice. And that's so interesting, isn't it? More often than not, the starting point for most of us is we listen to other people's negative stories more as well. And if somebody gives me positive feedback, oh, hey, Brad, that presentation was great. Do I believe them? Or do, is my natural position to think, hmm, not really, but thanks for saying. Yes. Actually, to be honest, I think that's a very, that's a very advanced view in some way. I think in the end, feedback, whether that's positive or negative, it, feedback is important, but you can also cannot give it too much weight. And that's true both for the positive feedback as well as for the negative. Mm. If somebody says, Brad, this was a great presentation, or Brad, you're so beautiful, or whatever this is something positive you're saying, you appreciate it, but you, yeah, but you, don't, get, you, but you don't get you know, completely hooked up on that. You don't, want to get, you don't want to get addicted to the positive uh, in feedback either because then that has a lot of negative effects also. <clears throat> just as with the negative side. I think if a negative, or let's say critical or negative feedback in some way, somebody says to me, Frank, you're an idiot. I need to be able to say, okay, I hear you. I don't believe you, but okay. Yeah, yeah. this says more about you than it does me. So thank you for the feedback. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's and that, that is, I think that's quite advanced already. But, but really in the moment when you're trying to, to train yourself a new almost a new identity, at least in that aspect, you need to cut out the negative and increase the positive in your environment. But I think you're onto something here, which maybe we can still relate back into some of the, the tactics we can use. So when you talk about, you know, maybe cutting people out of, of our life as well, this could be quite an advanced stage for somebody who might not be able just to cut people out, but we can minimize the impact they have. 
And I think what you were just referencing then, don't get swept up, don't get, don't collapse into other people's opinions, other people's feedback of us, I think is a real important approach to helping create a more positive mental state. So just because somebody says something about me doesn't make it true and doesn't make it 100% accurate. It's their perspective. So they're entitled to it. So I acknowledge, I appreciate, hey, Frank, thanks for your feedback. But I don't have to believe it. So true. And then this idea of not collapsing into other people's opinions, other people's perceptions, other people's roadmap and, and feedback on me is a really powerful way for me to start getting more confident in myself. How I view the world is important, not how you view me. Yes. Hard, especially in, for the younger generation, Gen Z in particular, millennials also in a way, in a world where we live in likes, you know, can be very addictive, do everything for more likes. Right. And uh, so that, that's, a, that's, that's a tough one. It's, I think especially people who live a lot online, you know, And then young people, I'm, I think I'm, I'm uh, very conscious about that they can have a trouble developing a balanced identity if they get hooked on likes. Well, Frank, we've talked before, when I look at my uh, psychotherapeutic patients, all of them are under 18 years of age and all of them are struggling with mental health issues today, mainly around self-esteem, self-confidence and anxiety, right? Um, and it's, it's hard because so much of what young people do, and actually this isn't reserved just for young people, because I know many people in my own generation who are still, you know, they'll post a picture on social media and they're, they're wondering why they've only got 50 likes. And I think, well, I've only got 50 friends on uh, Facebook. I would be really pleased with 50 likes. <laughs> um, But joking aside, uh, we do, we live in a world of kind of being qualified and quantified by what we post, right? Um, and maybe there's, there's probably a whole other podcast in uh, social media uh, effectiveness when it comes to mental well-being. I think here maybe there's maybe a nice pivot point uh, in our conversation because I think for this this concept that we're talking about and how do we help others become more comfortable with themselves and more comfortable with not getting anxious. It's something you mentioned before is this, you know, this awareness, this deep awareness of self. Yeah. And maybe within that, there's a kind of pivot into being more mindful in the moment, being able to be more present, to not be caught up in what someone else is saying, to you know it's not about taking a selfie and saying hashtag mindfulness it's more about being really present being self-aware and being able to create space that allows me to stop slow down take a moment and breathe we're so quick to collapse into things i was saying before that Maybe there's something in that, this, this idea of being more mindful in the moment that could help all of us minimize or mitigate that 
anxiousness that we're talking about today. For sure it would. So Frank, as we kind of draw to a close on this, how would you summarize the key takeaways for people watching our pod today? So I would think we had a few really valuable um, conclusions here that we shared and just as part of the conversation, but maybe worth highlighting them once again in a, in a short summary. I think one of the things to take away is to not collapse into, you know, giving too much weight to other people's opinions in, in, in principle. Again, easier said than done. You have to train yourself to do this. Um, then also this short technique that you mentioned about, you know, stopping the, the bad thought. You can't stop it from coming in, but you can decide how long you actually focus on it, how long it dwells in your, in your consciousness, you know, front of mind. So when you're realizing it, that there's something, a thought coming in that you don't actually like, then just say, oh, I'm having the thought again. I'm, I, I don't want to get worked on this, up on this now. And then, you know, this, this whole of reframing to the positive is if we worry about something or if we are telling ourselves uh, a story about a negative outcome or something, which is probably inevitable um, that this happens at one point, don't let this be the last thought. Try to, although maybe it doesn't sound genuine in the moment, but over time, if you, if you do this, it will. Uh, tell you, you need to end with the positive. You need to really end with saying, yeah, but the but, there's a good chance that I can actually do this, or there's a good chance that it's going to go well, or I think despite everything, it might go well. And, and just tell yourself that, you know? Um, realizing that these things that we talked about is more like a self-training program and not an overnight switch. It's not a hack. Mm -hmm. Something that you just do where you switch a bit and out of a sudden you run a different program. You have to train yourself. It may take a few months. But a few months are nothing in the context of your entire life. Work a few months on yourself and then for the rest of your life you might have much more enjoyable experiences and a lot less anxiety and worry. And uh, lastly, uh, we also talked about that everyone who is trying to retrain themselves to believe in positive outcomes and not in the negative one, they really need to rethink the amount of time they spend with people that are pulling them down. And then also do something about it. I don't necessarily mean, you know, never call your brother again, but kind of, a little less at least, you know, maybe for a while until you have the confidence, you know, if the, he's, he, he would be the person, you know, assuming that he would be pulling you down all the time. So um, really re reconsider that. Yeah, uh, did I miss anything? No, I think that be nice to yourself is a good mantra here. Absolutely. Good one. Yeah. Good final word to end on it. Thank well, you very much. Oh, you're welcome. That was a good one. Nice one, yes, Frank. It was. Take care, Brad. Bye-bye.